This is Real Love Now, a ministry outreach of Pastor Don Allen in the Church at War Hill. As with every aspect of our ministry, the purpose of this broadcast is to lead people into a growing relationship with Jesus Christ to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him and His children, and discover your destiny now. Here's the message from Pastor Don Allen. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, let's open our Bibles quickly this morning to Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12. I want to bring you a message today entitled, Looking Up from the Bottom. Anybody ever been there? Looking up from the bottom. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 14, verse number 12, there is a path before each person that seems right, but ends in death. And I thought how interesting the Lord would give me that passage of Scripture to talk about this particular topic, that there's, there's this path that we all are planning to go down in life. We've all got our, our path. You know how we, we all have these desires where we want to end up. It seems that you know we're always in a progressive motion. We're always headed somewhere in life. Are we going to get there? Are we going to make it in time? But um, you know, as we're, uh, we're thinking about where we're headed in life, how many of you would like to finally reach the place and have dreams of ever being financially independent? Amen. We all want to get there. We've had a lot of discussion lately in my house about what, what could we do if we managed to get rid of all this debt? Where, how, what could we be? And my wife and I think we have different views of it. She's thinking we could do this, this, and this. And, and I, I'm like, wow, we could actually, you know, uh, in a few years when we retire, we could actually move to the mission field for six or seven months. She just doesn't feel the same way with me about that. I don't really know why, but uh, 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 it sounds like a great plan. You know, I know a lot of people that all they're consumed with is the fact that um, there is uh, uh, somebody out there for them, that right person, and they're driven by the desire to to reach that place, that that desire to to come to that spot that they can find just that right person. Or how many people, all you really want in life is to figure out how to get out of the stress you're in. You know what I'm talking about? Wouldn't that be a nice place to get to? That life would be stress-free. Or here's one I heard talked about a little bit this week. What about when someone says, uh, I just, I just want to be older? You know, I heard one of our teenagers in our church talking this week, and they said, what was I thinking? They said, when I was a child, I, I thought this age would be fun. They said, this is not anything like I thought it would be. Or what about those that have passed through that veil and just want to be younger again? We always have somewhere we want to go. And if you've got somewhere you want to head, the odds are you probably have come to a place in your life that you feel like you are headed there and you can see it just in sight. You can see it just ahead of you. You're almost where you thought you were going. You can, you're like, wow, we're about to have the first milestone. And just as you come to that place that you're almost where you thought you wanted to be, you're dealt a very unfair and very undeserved, in your opinion, blow that not only sets you back from where you thought you would be, but it takes you to a place that you had no dreams you would ever be. Anybody else ever been there? That you're set back. 
And you're like, I've been trying to do what's right. I've been trying to make the right decisions. I've been trying to move forward in the right paths and the right plans in life. And, and as I'm trying to move forward in those places, as I'm trying to, to step up, I just can't continually get knocked back. I want to share with you about two people from Scripture today, two people who were in that same boat. They thought they had it all figured out, and then it all changed. In Genesis chapter 28, verse number 11, the Word of God says, At sundown he arrived, speaking of Jacob, at sundown he arrived at a good place to set up camp, and he stopped there for the night. Listen to what Jacob does. He found a stone to rest his head against and lay down to sleep. Wow. Nothing wrong with a camping part, but I figure that if you're having to sleep on a rock, that's about as low as you can go. Have you ever been camping and you find a rock in the wrong place? I am usually trying to get rid of the rocks. I'm not trying to find one. This guy, it tells us basically he has nothing. He has no tent. He has no pillow. He probably doesn't even have a bag to use for his head. He has a rock. That's about as low as you can go. You see, just before this moment, we get a picture of Jacob as he wants to become his whole life. He's the younger brother, and he's driven to be the older of the two of the twins. He's, or he's driven to this place to move forward in life. He's driven to move forward, and, he, and there's this constant struggle that's going on. And just a little before we see how he has manipulated, lied, and stolen to try to accomplish where he wants to get in life. And it all comes crashing down upon his head, and instead of moving him forward in life, his failure of character has caused him to now have nothing. And in exhaustion, as he's running for his life, he lays down, he grabs a rock and says, this will have to do. He seems a million miles away from where he wants to be. And at this point, God opens heaven and says, I will bless you now. Isn't that kind of weird? He's a million miles from where he wanted to be in life, and he's out here and he's lost everything, and everything in his whole life is topsy-turvy, and he's like, I don't like where I am. And then God finally chooses to speak and says, now I will bless you. Do you know why? Because when he comes to the place that all he has left in the world is a rock, which if you've ever been to Israel, a rock is not hard to find. They're everywhere. And all he has left is a rock. And this is what the Lord spoke to me. At the lowest point, Jacob went from trying to steal someone else's future to finally getting a glimpse of one for himself. We go forward just a few generations, and there's another young man. And Scripture says in Genesis 37 and 28, So when the Ishmaelites, who were Midianite traders, came by, Joseph's brothers pulled him up out of the cistern and sold him for 20 pieces of silver, and the traders took him as a slave to Egypt. Took him to Egypt. Wow. Could you imagine this moment? Could you imagine how horrible Joseph feels at this point in his life? He has been through a traumatic experience. He, he showed up. 
He's feeling like king of the world, and he's there to discipline his brothers, and they see him coming, and they absolutely despise him because he actually believes God has called him to be something in life, and he has no problem sharing it with everybody. And he shows up, and they take him and beat him, throw him in a hole. They want to kill him. The older brother says, throw him in this hole. We'll do something with him later with hopes to come and rescue him. But while the brother is gone, along comes a caravan of slavers. They see them. They pull him out. Could you imagine when he first went in, he thought he was going to die, or at least he thought somebody was going to die because if he ever got out of this hole, his dad would probably kill his brothers. And he sets his foot back down on that ground, ready for the end of his life, possibly, ready to try to escape. And instead of seeing a fight, instead of seeing escape, a noose is thrown around his neck. His hands are tied, and he's, he's lined up behind the camels, which is not a pleasant place to be, and taken across a desert. And I thought, this is a pretty low place to be. You see, when Joseph had arrived, he was a spoiled, arrogant child. When he went down into the pit, he was angry and condemned. Boy, but when he came out of the pit, I want you to listen to what I'm going to say. When he came out of the pit, he was worth more than when he went in. You might not have been able to tell it if you looked at him in his fancy coat and, and the colorful array and the pomp and circumstance with which he carried himself before. But the truth was, even his own parents had a hard time even barely tolerating him because he thought it was all about him in life. But when he came out of that and his life had radically changed, he was worth more because the slave had purpose instead of pride. And so we find these two at a place neither want to be. And odds are some of you in this place today are exactly near there. Maybe you've not been thrown into a cistern and maybe you're not having to sleep on a rock, but you're probably finding yourself at some place in your life that you really don't want to be. We scan the horizon of our lives and we realize that this is not according to plan. What we are faced with is not where we want to be and it's definitely not what we think we ought to be deserving at this point. And instead of surveying our kingdom from the mountaintop, we feel like we are more trapped in situations and can find no comfort on the rock of a pillow that life has thrown us. And we don't understand why we're here. See, there are a few truths that you're going to have to realize in life if you're planning on going somewhere for God, if you're planning on doing something in your life, there's a few very significant things that you're going to have to learn. And these truths, the first thing is that you are going to have to learn that you will never be given what you are not prepared to receive. Do you get that? If you're not ready for it, you're not going to get it. And a lot of times we're sitting there saying, I don't understand. I want it, I want it, I want it, I want it. And God says, if I gave it to you, it would destroy you. If you're not prepared, you'll never receive it. Second point, the path to your progress will never be the direction that you think you should go. The path that leads to your way of where God wants you to end up will never go the way that we think it ought to be. How many of you have ever said, God, God, if you'll just do what I want. God says, I'm kind of particular about doing what I want. And third, when you finally do arrive where you think you wanted to go... <laughs> It won't be anywhere near what you thought it would be, and you won't be anything close to what you thought you would be. You will be in a different place, and you will be a different person. If we really want to reach the places that God has called us to be in our lives, those places that we feel drawn toward, we must allow God to prepare us. 
You see, our efforts seem to bring us down, but his efforts always move us forward. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you open real quick to Exodus chapter 23. Exodus chapter 23, we're going to go to verse number 28. Exodus 23 and 28, and I'm actually using the NIV if you're um, trying to follow along. Exodus 23 and 28 starts giving us a glimpse, we're going to go through verse 30, of what God says, I'll move you from the bottom. See, when you finally end up at the place that you feel like, okay, I can't make it happen, I can't fix this relationship, I can't fix the situations I'm in, I can't, when you finally end up there, God says, okay, now I can work with you because your ways have been hindering me all along. Exodus chapter 23, verse number 28, he says, I will send the hornet ahead of you to drive out the Hivites, Canaanites, and the Hittites out of your way. Notice what he says in verse number 29, but I will not drive them out in a single year. Now, God had promised them the entire land, but he says, I'm not going to drive them out in a single year. Why? Because the land would become desolate and the wild animals too numerous for you. He says, look, I'm going to give you everything I've ever promised you, but I'm not going to do it like that. Because if I do it like that, you won't be able to contain it and it's going to overflow. It's going to overrun. It's going to consume you. Wow. And then he says, but little by little, I will drive them out before you until you have increased enough to possess the land. I'm going to do what I promised you I would do. But don't expect me to do it so quick that it's going to destroy you. Don't expect me to give it to you until you have grown up enough spiritually to handle it. We always, people say to me, I ask God for this and prayer doesn't work. And I'm like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What you're asking God for might have destroyed you. It may not have been the path that you were called to be on in life. But instead, we want God to line up with our will, and we've got too much of Joseph and too much of Jacob in our lives. Jacob says, if you won't give it to me, I'll lie, cheat, and steal till I get it. And Joseph says, I deserve it. And how many times we found ourselves there where we will compromise in life to get where we want to go because it's our right. And God says, I will do something great in you. I will fulfill your dreams. He said it this way. I will give you more than you could have ever imagined, but I'm not going to do it so that it will destroy you. I'm going to do it as I increase you to be able to handle it. I thought, how amazing, how, how powerful that, that God gives us this illustration. Let me just give you a quick illustration of, of what could happen. You know, we've all seen people win the lottery and it destroy their lives. Could you imagine, though, if you, if you suddenly received notice in the mail that, that you had bought a, a raffle ticket, let's just say a raffle ticket, and, and you thought there's no chance in the world that you were ever going to win this raffle, but you bought this raffle ticket, and because of this ra- raffle ticket that you spent 75 cents on, okay, 75 cents on, that you now are the proud owner of a $7.5 million, how many, how many about ready to shout? Abandoned factory in downtown Atlanta. $7.5 million abandoned factory. 
You start thinking, I can sell this factory and things will be good, right? I mean, no, I'm sure most of you in here, 7.5 million is not a lot of money. It would change my life radically, all right? But as soon as you win your $7.5 million building, get this, you end up with a letter that follows the next day for $43,000 in back taxes as due on November 15th. Still not that bad, right? And then you receive notice from the, from the health code of the community that because of all the transients in the area and because of all the young people that use your factory as a base, you need at least a, a $10 million policy, and that's $10,000 a year that you're going to have to cover yourself with. So you now need $53,000 to possess your $7.5 million building. And so what do we do? We're going to sell it, Right? We're going to sell our factory as we can even sell it. for. We, we could suffer and sell it for a third of what it's worth. And we get us our for sale sign and we drive to our factory for the first time and we're looking at this massive structure and we're thinking what it all could be. And some of you are even dreaming what you could use it for the glory of God and you're just going to have to figure out if you're going to borrow $53,000 and make payments on it so that you can have your factory but the truth is, as you show up with your for sale sign, your heart falls because every building for six square blocks has a faded for sale sign on it because nobody's buying factories in downtown Atlanta. You know, that's kind of an extreme illustration, but the truth is, if you had the money to convert the factory, you could turn that 7.5 into a $22 million project and you could move forward because you had increased in life to have that. But when you get it at a stage that you don't know what to do with it and you don't know how to progress with it and you don't know how to move forward with it, it will consume you. And that seems so extreme, but the truth that we have to come down to is if you got that relationship you've been begging God for, are you the person who can handle it? If you've been asking God for this to happen in your life, are you the person who can walk at that level of ministry? Are you the person who can walk at that, that level of integrity? Are you the person that God can trust with? And God's saying to you, look, I'm trying to take you on a path because the desires of your heart are right. You should want these blessings. You should want to be debt-free. You should want the right relationships. You should want these dreams in your life. But as you want these things, God says, let me make you who you need to be so you can be possess them with honor. I think one of the man, men that, that settled this best in my life was I was listening to Rick Warren. And Rick Warren said, it's a great honor to have written the best-selling, Pastor David and I sit and listen to him share this, best-selling English book in history. That's pretty awesome, right? He said, when you go to bed one night wondering if there's anything in your account and you wake up the next morning and there are six zeros in your account, things are moving fast. How many of you like that problem? Amen. He said, but do you know why God gave me this? 
He said, because for 30 years, my wife and I not only had tithed, but we had taken the tithe and we had increased it every year somehow. He said, some years it was only maybe a tenth of a percent or some years a quarter of a percent. Some years it was 2%. He said, by the time God gave us the finances, we were tithing 32% of all that we had. He said, what we had done was we had showed God that we were faithful. In other words, God had taught us over 20 or 30 years of marriage how to be faithful. And then when God gives us hundreds of millions of dollars, he said it wasn't a question of whether or not we've been faithful. We'd done it all of our lives. And he said, so we started tithing 90% of that increase. And he said, we didn't change our lifestyle. I still drive the same car, and I still drive, wear the same Walmart, Walmart watch because I knew who I was, and I did not allow God's blessing to define me. We're all wanting God to do something for us, and we get so frustrated, and I hear it all the time, and maybe this is more for the next service or the third service. I'm not real sure, but I, I feel like I've got the message from God because I had some other things I wanted to teach, and God said, this is what you're going to talk on today. I was like, God, but what about this? He said, I, I got like six sermons, and I'm going, which one? And God's like, none of them, this one. I'm like, ah. And the whole time I'm studying, I'm going, Lord, do they need this? And the truth is we do need it because I'm tired of people saying, God won't, God won't, God won't. And the truth is you won't let God. God says, I want you to be the person of integrity that I can trust. Now think about what happened to Jacob. Jacob goes to this place. He is a manipulator, a liar, a stealer. And so he goes and he's, all right, all right, I've lost it all, but I can get it back. But what does God do to Jacob? He takes him to his uncle Laban's house. And the truth is that the, the things on Jacob were more of a family curse because if Jacob ever thought he lied and stole, his uncle Laban was the master at it. And for 20 years, he has to learn. 20 years, he's abused by this man. He is abused and he says, I can't stand it when he changes and tells me something different than he said. And he learned to despise that part of his own character. He says, I can't stand it when he changes my wages after I've been promised this. And he learns to despise that manipulation of his own character. And everything that Laman was, he learned to hate. And when it finally came down to it, he looked at him and said, name one thing I've stolen or cheated you out of. I've earned it all. And the boy who thought he could steal everything now has become the man who has earned everything. God has changed his character through 20 years. Joseph, the boy who thought he was entitled, can you imagine? He, he is supposed to be the leader that his own mom and dad bow down to. He's the great leader sent to lead the world. Now he is a slave and he doesn't even speak their language. And what does he do? He learns the language and as he learns the language, wow, he becomes the head of the house. And he looks around and he thinks, well, this is a lot more than what mom and dad had. At least I have my own little kingdom. I am leading. And what happens? He loses that and ends up in prison, falsely accused. And in the bottom of this dungeon, he makes a decision. He makes the decision, hey, 
I am not going to give up. And he begins to employ all the things that he learned in Potiphar's house. And as he, as he employs these things, he becomes the leader of the cell block. He becomes the leader of that area. He becomes the, he takes over the prison. I thought, wow. Here this boy who thought he knew it all realized he had to learn how to take care of a small empire of the captain of the guard. And then a major undertaking of the thousands and thousands of prisoners. Then, when the chance came, he stepped up and was able to rescue the known world. Why? I mean, none of us want to go that way. We're supposed to start here and go up. And God says, if you really want to get up, you got to go down. Wow. You got to go the opposite of the way you want to go. And I thought, what was God doing? And I, he was saying, look what setbacks will do in your life. So just get this. In case you don't know where, in case you're not where you thought you should be in life, in case you're not at the position to get to your desired fulfillment or God's promises in your life, think about these three things as I give them to you quickly. Setbacks in life will test your heart. And just like with these two men, you're going to realize who you really are. Because the arrogant Joseph is not the forgiving man that we saw in the end of the story. And the manipulative Jacob is not the man who stood in confidence and says, I earned it all. And he was a giver. If you'll notice, he became a giver. We see not only that their hearts were tested, but we see that their faithfulness was determined. If you're going through bad times in life, are you determined to serve God even though you're not where you want to be? Because too many people use it as an excuse to give up and go out. Can I say that again? <laughs> I guess so. I got the mic. But anyways, too many people use their bad situations as an excuse. Well, God, I tried you, and it didn't work for me. Well, the truth is God was seeing where your heart was because where your heart is, there your treasure will be also. Do you really want it? Because if you really want it, it doesn't matter how bad it is. You'll do what's right. So that's the other thing. Not only does he test our faithfulness, test our hearts, he tests our patience. You know, there was this one man whose car stalled at an intersection. And as it stalled at this intersection, he's trying his best to turn it over and turn it over and turn it over. And, and the guy behind him, you know, blows his horn, you know, like anybody would, you know, because we all get distracted. We all probably looking at our phone or something we shouldn't be and we're thinking about something and, and the guy doesn't move. So he blows his horn again and the guy still doesn't move. And so he just decides to do what so many of us probably would do. He just lays down on the horn and then all of a sudden he sees the door open. You're thinking road rage, right? The guy gets out, big old guy gets out and walks back to him and takes his keys and says, um, here, you go start my car and I'll sit back here and help you by blowing the horn. Think about this for just a moment. Many of us are sitting in our lives blowing the horn with all our might saying, God, I'm not where I want to be. Why don't you get out of my way? It's true. And God's word gives us several promises. Listen to what Psalms says, Psalms 112 and 5 says, good comes to those who lend money generously and conduct their business fairly. In other words, people who do right, good's going to show up at their house. Such people will not be overcome by evil. So in other words, they're going to face struggles, but it's not going to overcome them. Those who are righteous will be long remembered. Though they do not fear bad news because they confidently trust that the Lord cares for them. 
Are you hearing this? They are confident and fearless and can face their foes triumphantly. They share freely. They give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. And I love this last verse. And the wicked will see this and will be infuriated. They will grind their teeth in anger. They will slink away. Their hopes will be thwarted. What he's saying is this. If you let God change you and you become the person that you ought to be, even if you suffer setbacks, you don't have to be afraid because you know that God's going to fulfill his promises for your life. Stop getting angry with God. Stop questioning God. Stop blowing up with God and saying, God, I did it all right and it did not work. And God says, the truth is, you weren't right. And when your heart's right, then everything else will come into place. I don't know what all you need from God, but I do know this, that if you honor God, those that don't may look like they're winning now, but in the long run, you will win. In the long run, you will overcome. And you might be looking up from the bottom with your head on a pillow of a rock that you don't want to be laying on right now. But that's the moment that God will choose to say, now let me do in you what needs to be done so I can bless you. And this is what Jacob said. He said, I went over this river with a stick. So he said, all I have was a stick. But he said, I have come back with enough for two families to be rich. Pretty awesome. He said, God changed me from this moment. And that's where you'll be in life. You'll say, you know, my ways left me with nothing but an old something. But when I serve the Lord, I have come back with more blessings than I even need. Would you stand with me today? Living God, I thank you for this morning. I thank you for your presence. I thank you for your love. Lord, I don't know who it all it is that you're trying to speak to, but I know it's somebody. And I do know, Father, that today you're telling us all that you want to work in us. And that if we would allow your processes to grow us and change us, that the things that seem so out of reach, we will learn are not what's worth searching after anyways, but that we would search after you and we would grow in you. And then your promise is true that you would add into our lives more than we could ever ask, think, or even imagine because you are a great God who does great things. Lord, I now bless your children. I pray you'll keep them safe, change their lives. And Lord, let them receive this challenge today to be true in their heart, faithful in their service, and patient, because you're working in them. In the mighty name of Jesus Christ. That's today's word from Pastor Don Allen to help you get real with God, fall in love with Him all over again, and live out your destiny now. To learn more about our pastor and the ministry of the church at War Hill, join us online at warhill.com. Then join us in worship at one of our North Georgia locations. Service times are Sundays at 8.15, 9.30, and 11 a.m., where you will find real love now.